In season two of The Sneak, a podcast from For the Win in USA Today, we will tell the story of surfing champion Jack Roland Murphy, who in 1964 pulled a heist that made him the most famous jewel thief in the country. But that was just the beginning of his story, one that quickly spun out of control and then turned deadly. The Sneak, Murders at Whiskey Creek is available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or experience the entire series right now, ad-free, exclusively on Wondery+. Download the Wondery app and hear all of Season 2 today. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Winds, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. The Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Now, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. Week three in the books. Steven, thoughts? Uh, is Josh Allen the best player in the history of the NFL? Yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> you, have a re- you have a real fire take coming on who the best player in the history of the NFL is. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. I am Chris Corman uh, of For the Win, joined by our lead NFL writer, Steven Ruiz. Right, we are here to break down everything we learned in week three and it feels like this uh as week three often is is the one where the team starts to separate a little bit you can tell you know a little bit of the rust is gone a little bit you know teams start to get into sync and you can start to feel who the real teams are that you know are going to be in the playoffs the teams that are probably fighting for a playoff spot and the teams that should be tanking at this point uh the nfl is ruthless like that you you understand a lot of those things pretty early on uh not to say that there's not room for a lot of this to change because the nfl is also unpredictable but it definitely felt like this was the week where we started to know that i think yeah i think we know who is going to be in the the running for the home field advantage in both conferences at this point i think we like teams have started to separate themselves in the nfc and surprisingly i feel like the game we just watched the 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 saints and the packers the saints i wouldn't put them in that group right now wow you've dropped them out of that group i i mean i don't think the defense has been as good as you thought it it would be as good as i thought it would be and as good as it needs to be with you playing like this And I don't see how, like, this offense gets back to the form we saw it at even last year if Drew Brees doesn't vastly improve. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we are going to break down every game, but let's start with that one. Let's just go right in on that. Um, that, You know, we just finished watching the Packers win 37-30 to uh, in a game that I think, as you were hinting, I mean, Drew Brees was – better than he has been last time i checked his completion percentage over expected was up there it was like eight um which it he he had one of the worst in the league uh he is still only throwing the ball like four yards down the field literally i'm not that's not a joke i know i'm using my joke voice but (laughs) he still is not trying to throw the ball very far but at least now he's throwing it to the spot he wants to throw it which is is a start uh, but 
it sounds to me like you you think it's just not going to be enough. Alvin Kamara obviously had he was just insane tonight. Um, his one touchdown, uh, you know, that he took a, a little screen. He was just you know uh, I, he made the Packers did not do a good job tackling, but he made them look especially right. bad at tackling. Uh, he had he, on his past targets he had point four two. EPA per play, which is, you know, astronomical. Um, it seems just beastly uh, considering how often he was used tonight. Um, so, it, uh, but it sounds like you're thinking it's not, it's not going to be enough. And also the, uh, the, the saints got bitten by trying to use Taysom Hill and he had a late, a late fumble because uh, he's not good at handing the ball off, I guess. I don't, you know, it's just, it was a botched handoff, but um Breeze was a little bit better than he has been, and and they decided to go the hill route anyway, um, and it it didn't work out. So it, sound, it sounds to me like your read right now is that the offense is not trending in the right direction, even though this game and and the Saints did not have Michael Thomas, their best wide receiver. So I, I'm not right. sure how much that matters because he was just going to run five yard crossing routes anyway, <laughs> but, um, but you know, they, they did not have full strength, but sounds like to me, you're not Neither seeing the Packers, an they, didn't, they didn't have their right. number one receiver and they did just fine. Cause their quarterback can actually throw the ball downfield. And yeah, Aaron Rodgers is very good. It turns out still <laughs> when the, the analytics community took a step back tonight, Aaron Rodgers, but with the way the saints are playing, the way Drew Brees is playing, like Alvin Kamara is arguably the most important player on the team, which is not a good thing when your running back's the most important player on your team and probably the best player on your team. Uh, he matters with with the offense like this because it's. I think I saw someone tweet like their their whole offense is built around Alvin Kamara breaking tackles, right? And you just have to wonder how long is he going to last? He carried them on Monday night too against the Raiders and, the, and that loss. So this is the second week in a row where he's really carried the offense. And you have to wonder, is he going to be able to hold up all season long if he if his workload is this is this big? Yeah, and I mean it's just not uh, to have an offense that is as predictable as that. I mean, he's obviously very good, and but it's he he can't do it. <laughs> you know, it's right. just not there. We 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 see no. There are no other offenses that. Have worked worked that way in modern football. Defense I mean, just, is defense is so much easier when you only when you know you don't have to defend the whole field. And like for whatever reason, it didn't seem like Mike Pettin realized this. Like until maybe later in the game, I there was like one third down where he blitzed and like only left like two zone defenders over the middle and short. It was like a I don't I don't know what the zone coverage was on the back end. But why are you blitzing Drew Brees right now? Because you know all he wants to do is throw short. He's not going to hold on to the ball. He's going to get rid of the ball quickly. And they're playing off of the Saints receivers all game. So it just – I mean, Mike Pedden really kept them in this game with his approach to calling the game tonight. And I don't think they're going to see that against other teams. Like a team – like if they had to play good teams that are willing to like get up in your face with their corners and play press man-to-man coverage, I don't know how Drew Brees is going to be able to you know, play well in a game like that. 
Yeah. Let's talk about the Packers because the uh, 3-0, and one of, I think there's six 3-0 and teams right now, and, and the Chiefs and Ravens are both 2-0, and and they play tonight, uh, Monday night. You'll be listening to this. Um, but the Packers, I think we're probably – you know, may have emerged for some people as the best team in the NFC. You you are sticking with the Rams, which which we'll discuss. But uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers being back to what certainly seems like the the dynamic quarterback that he was, and the guy who can throw it downfield. And like you said, I mean, he was throwing to. I mean, he made dudes look good today that uh, you know probably did not have any right looking as good as they are as wide receivers. Lazar is, I mean, he's a unsigned undrafted free agent, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I don't really have faith in the Packers yet, they could still win me over is because of the defense and because of Mike. Pettin. Right. I, I mean, we saw this last year. They kind of got exploited when they played the 49ers. And I think the best teams in the league are going to be able to, to put up points against them. And it's going to, Aaron Rodgers will basically have to be perfect if they're going to make a run in the playoffs. I, I really don't see how, like even like a 49ers team with all their injuries right now, I think could have success against this Packers, Packers team and at least stay in the game and make it a close game. They're going to have to win a lot of, a, a lot of shootouts this year. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rodgers top receivers were Alan Lazard, Robert Tanyan and Jace Sternberger. Um, so, I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, that's just an amazing feat for him to make that offense score 37 points and and function as well as it did. Uh, three touchdown passes, too. Um, yeah. I mean, it just seems like you're right. The defense could hold it back at this point. but And I think it's going to be harder when they play against a team that's more capable of shutting down those weapons and making Rodgers kind of be Superman to beat them, which is really when he gets into trouble. And we've seen him go on these little streaks before. Like we saw it last year too. He had in the middle of the season, he went on a hot streak and then kind of cooled off towards the end. So I'm still skeptical that he's going to be able to play at this high level. And it's not, it won't really be his fault because he just doesn't have a lot of help. Right. Obviously getting Devonte Adams back will help, but yeah, it's just the, they they got one player that teams really have to worry about aside from Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, heading into this weekend, you made the bold proclamation that the Los Angeles Rams were the top team in the NFC. You've been a fan of how they've rebounded from, a, you know, a really an off year last year. And uh, they ended up losing 35-32 to the Buffalo Bills despite an epic comeback, we almost had a 28-3 comeback here. Uh, I mean, the, the, they did complete the comeback, but then the Bills uh, were able to get another score. Josh Allen threw a late touchdown. They should have won um, that game. The, that was a terrible – did you see the pass interference? Oh, I thought that was yeah, a terrible yeah, a, But, yeah, I'm going to chalk it up to them being a West Coast team, you know, kicking off at 10 a.m. their time. We've seen that take – take its toll on West coast teams in the past. Mm-hmm. And they got off to a slow start, but in that second half, they looked like the bet, the best team in the NFC. Like okay. everything was just so easy for the offense. They were a little sluggish in the first half and they were, it's just amazing. The difference between Jared Goff when the Rams are on schedule and they're ahead of the chains and the, and then when they fall behind the chains and he has to throw and it's second and long and third and long, he's just not capable of, of winning 
in those situations. But he avoided them in the second half. Sean uh, Sean McVay got hot with his play calling. When Sean McVay gets hot with his play calling, like there's no stopping this Rams offense. Yeah. Uh, the Buffalo defense, I mean, we, th- we thought that they would be a pretty good matchup here, and it sounds like they were in the first half, but then not in the second. What did you see? I know you haven't um, – obviously seen the, the all 22 and really been able to dig in. And that's probably something you'll do this week. Um, but what do you think tipped that? You, I, Cause you said to me that the Rams in the second half was maybe the best half of offensive football you've seen, uh, which is pretty high praise this, this season. Uh, so what did you see? What actually happened? You said McVay got hot with his play calling, but what, what, what did he actually do to manipulate the bills? I think he was just able to get to his schemed up stuff, like the play action. It was a lot of play action and there was wide open crossers running. I think he was just finally able to call that stuff because he wasn't able to with them falling behind the chains in the first half. And Jared Goff was off. I didn't mean to rhyme there. Uh, And the running (laughs) game didn't really get get going until the second half. So I think it was just like sluggishness by the team. I don't Mm -hmm. think it was really anything that Sean McVay changed at halftime, it was the typical Sean McVay stuff that we usually see when the Rams are going good. Right. Uh, the Bills are now 3-0. and Josh Allen is, you know, I think I saw a promo for some interview that he did today. It was like, Josh Allen, the NFL's breakout star. Uh, I I know for a fact that you are not buying that narrative at this point. Um, but... I mean, how much are you buying into the Bills at this point? They're they're one of the three and O teams in the AFC. Certainly seems like they could be in that second tier behind the Chiefs and Ravens. But but what is your gut feeling at this point? Uh, yeah, I think I think I'm still holding them. I don't think I'm putting them in the top tier yet with the other teams in the AFC. I'm kind of concerned what we saw out of their defense today, even though it was against McVay. And I don't know how long Josh Allen's going to be able to keep this up because a lot of his numbers suggest that he's going to, you know, he's going to eventually regress. He's doing a lot of his damage under pressure. And we know that that doesn't typically last for quarterbacks. No quarterback is consistently good under pressure. So, right it's going to turn eventually. And he has a lot of, he's had some turnover luck. He finally got bit by yeah, today two, right. two interception and like coming into the game, I think he had, he had two fumbles. He had three turnover worthy uh, plays according to PFF. So he was one of the league leaders in turnover worthy plays. Just he's kind of got a fortunate bounce here, here and there. Like the, the Dolphins should have picked him off twice last week. Right. The Jets probably should have picked him off on one red zone throw. And then today, he threw a, a threw up a ball that the only reason I, I think it it ended up getting intercepted, but the only reason it didn't get intercepted by the primary defender was the Bills tight end pushed off. It was a pretty bad decision. So I I think it's going to turn eventually, but I don't think it's. I still think he's a good quarterback. Like he's not a good quarterback, but like a good enough quarterback in this offense with Dayball you know, calling the plays like he's been calling. He's just been, he's been arguably one of the best offensive coordinators in the league. I would only put him behind McVay and Shanahan so far this season. Wow. He's, I think he's doing for uh, Josh Allen, what people think that Greg Roman is doing for Lamar Jackson. I'm skeptical of that talk 
like surrounding Greg Roman just because Lamar Jackson just makes any scheme look great. But right. Dayball is just doing such a fantastic job of taking stuff off of Josh Allen's plate mentally. Like he doesn't right. have to do a lot of thinking. It's just an astounding coaching job. And I don't mean to take away credit from Josh Allen because he is making these throws. And it's clear that his accuracy, at least on like a macro level, has improved. Like he's getting the ball to the receivers. I think his ball placement is still an issue. And we kind of saw that hurt him in the second half of Sunday's game. And I think when defenses, eventually they're going to do a better job of defending this Bills offense. And that's when the ball placement is going to become an issue for him. Yeah. Yeah. He did have a, he did have a fumble that was costly and also a, a 15 yard penalty on their final drive that he had two 15 yard penalties, two personal fouls in the fourth quarter out of a quarterback. Um, So, and I mean, he, after the game, he sort of beat himself up when he was talking to reporters saying he can't do that. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I mean, but the bills, it's going to be fascinating. The the bill, you know, having the AFC East be exciting is, is, is good. Obviously, uh, you know, we'll see, see once they play the Patriots sort of where things stand there, I think. Um, jumping over to the NFC, uh, back to the NFC Cowboys, Seahawks, uh, Russ, man, Russ is cooking. Uh, I think he set the record for most touchdowns through, three games today uh he's had four in every game right at least four uh the first quarterback to do that so i mean he's just i i you know uh, you you've said you've said everywhere that you've talked about him that he he's he's had runs like this before and he gets hot and he has series of games where he just looks as perfect as he's looked but uh 38 31 the seahawks beat dallas today Wilson, 27 for 40, 315 yards, five TDs. Uh, I mean, he the just... The crazy thing is, uh, this wasn't even a good, great game for him. Like, he was... like Troy Aikman was pointing it out, and I think Aikman was right, that he was kind of off today with his accuracy. Right. And he just he took a couple... He did take a couple bad sacks. But if this is what a bad game looks like, my MVP pick is going to... Is looking pretty good right now. Right. Uh, DK Metcalf uh, in a play early in the game was going to score a touchdown and let himself get caught from behind and had the ball punched out of his hand. But he ends up catching a long throw for the winning score. Uh, you know, one of those just typical Wilson. I mean, it was not as pretty as a lot of them usually are, but he just dropped it into Metcalf's hands. Uh, Metcalf just kind of kept running his route and kept running his route. Wilson had a bunch of time, dropped it in there. Uh, Wilson, 0.34 EPA per play, um, you know, 6.2 completion percentage over expected. I mean, just continues to do what he needs to do. Uh, to to make this team work, um, I you know there's just not much you can say about his play. That you know, I mean, everyone's talking about how good he is, but the Seahawks team. Did you learn anything about the defense playing against the Cowboys? Um, it really, I, I don't know if it was a, a focus of theirs, but the but Ezekiel Elliott was not particularly effective running the ball. Dak Prescott 
had to go to the air and, and was good as he usually is. And um, the Cowboys just have so many weapons, man. I mean, he has so many weapons to throw to. Uh, but did you learn anything about the Seahawks as, as you evaluate them for, again, sort of what the top tier? They're also in that conversation for best team in the NFC. No, I didn't really learn anything new. But, I mean, it still looks bad. <laughs> They still have to blitz to get pressure, although they did get some pressure at the end there with the three-man rush. But I don't think that's going to continue. It's just that's the reason why I'm not putting them ahead of the Rams because I think that defense is exploitable. And Sean McVay has had a lot of success against Seattle's defense during his time as the Rams coach. And this might be the worst Seattle defense that he's gone up against. So I think Russ is going to have to be perfect against the Rams to really to beat them in those two games. I think that's what the division is going to come down to those two games. I'm counting the 49ers out just because of those injuries. I'm not, I mean, I'm not surprised they killed the Giants today, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that against actual good teams. <laughs> and I'm kind of writing off the Cardinals after today's game. Like you can't lose to the Lions at home. They're canceled. Sorry. You're canceled. You can't. You can't let Matt Patricia do that to you. Um, yeah. As for the Cowboys, uh, I mean, this is, I think this is far and away the best team in the NFC East, but that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, the NFC East now has two wins on the entire season, all four teams combined. Um, it's, I think just, I saw, uh, I think it was Robert Mays who tweeted, uh, the Cowboys have a commanding lead in the NFC East that one and two. <laughs> well, I, I think the, uh, isn't the football team also one and two though? So it's, I don't yeah, even know. It they're... still feels like the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. it, it feels very commanding. Uh, <laughs> and part of that is, as I was saying, the Cowboys, they had uh, four play, four receivers with at least five catches and 60 yards. Today. Michael Gallup went for six. Six receptions, 138 yards. Cedric Wilson went five for 107. Uh, so, I, it, I mean, it's, it sure feels like the Cowboys are the only real, the only team even approaching being a real team in the NFC East. But do you see this team being good enough to actually make noise in the playoffs? Uh, Alden Smith was fantastic today three sacks mm-hmm. two tackles for loss pass defended it just felt like he was all over the field felt like he was really getting back i mean because it's been a long time since he really played football um so it felt like he was a little bit back to himself so are they good enough you think i no. they're one falcons being the falcons <laughs> game away from being zero and three and we're even probably talking about mike mccarthy being on the hot seat already <laughs> And that secondary was just a mess today. Like they were just letting, obviously Russell Wilson is amazing and he was amazing today, but like those deep balls he was throwing, but they were like leaving, letting Seahawks receivers just run wide open down the field. And it was just like, like they played quarters twice and they just botched it both times and gave up deep touchdowns. I, I don't trust the secondary. I don't think they're contenders because of it, despite how good Dak Prescott is. And I know Prescott had a couple turnovers today, but he was he, he they should have just been letting him pass the whole time forget let russ cook let Dak cook yeah and that is that's certainly where i, I think 
Cowboys fans need to be at this point is I, I saw a lot of a lot of Cowboys fans on Twitter saying that they need to give they needed to pass less and run the ball more, uh, which is just, what <laughs> do they see I the mean, production? I mean, patently absurd, but, you know, I think that it's just old school football thinking. Also, it's so ridiculous that Dak Prescott has not been paid yet. Yeah, I mean, it makes it's it continues the the further we get into the season, it makes it continues to make no sense. Um, you know, and it's I, I think I was there was a lot of Twitter conversation today too about like, well, if Prescott were coming out now, people would realize that he's a good he can be a good quarterback at the NFL level. Like, I, first of all, he was all the things then that he is now. I mean, he's tall and had a good arm and smart. I mean, I guess he got dented for coming from a quote-unquote college offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but now, and and I guess that's the theory is now that college offenses, a lot of those theories, you know, so much of it is proliferated at the NFL level. It makes it it makes it more clear that he can make that stuff. But but he can do everything. I mean, he's right. he. It, it, There's no weakness in his right. Game. And it's, it just seems like we've talked about this before, but it just seems like the Cowboys are not willing to actually admit that they found this amazing quarterback and that they need to pay him. I don't I mean, I don't know what the what is going on with the ownership group that they've not taken that step. But I have a I have an idea of what it yeah, might be. I mean, that's <laughs> that's and that's that's sort of the only thing left is. Just that they don't actually buy it that, he, that uh, a black quarterback can be as good as he's been. I mean, it's just it's just or that he's can be the face of the franchise. I don't know. It's just it's he's, very bizarre. He's like off to like a record setting start to his career too. Like he has and he's won a bunch of games. His winning percentage is good. Right. So you can't even use the the QB wins thing. He has the numbers. The tape looks good. Like I, I don't get it. I, I really yeah. don't. Yeah. Uh, let's talk Steelers Texans. Steelers end up winning this game 28 21. Uh, Houston got off to uh, a little bit of a hot start and then completely shut down. It seemed, it's, it, you know, Deshaun Watson was just pulling everything out of his hat as he does, as he has to do. Uh, mm-hmm. he was really good in the first half, sort of made the Steelers defense, which has been so good. Uh, you know, he was exploiting, I think, a lot of the things they've been doing. Uh, again, we didn't watch super closely, but I, I think the Steelers had dialed back on the blitzes. They've been I mean, yeah. the blitz percentage was off the charts, and then I think they dialed back in the first half, and Watson sort of picked them apart. And then they they came in the second half, and Watson just has so little help. Um, and look at it. I mean, David Johnson ran. David Johnson, who they traded DeAndre Hopkins for, ran 13 times for 23 yards. Uh, that I mean, that's just absurd. Um, but so the Steelers end up pulling this out 28-21. But your main takeaway, and you asked me to look at his passing chart, was that Ben Roethlisberger truly, 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 truly is washed. And yeah, I mean, this does not look like a Ben Roethlisberger passing chart. No, um, not at all. It, it, you know, there's just nothing getting pushed downfield. And you said that, you know, what you did watch, what you did catch, even when he was daring to push the ball downfield, he was missing badly. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, that's just not Roethlisberger. Um, what did you see from from this offense today? And I mean, is 
does it have a chance to be good enough if Roethlisberger is going to play that way? Uh, I don't know. They kind of had a running game today for the first time all year. And I mean, David DeCastro is back, so that probably helped. So if they can get the running game going, maybe that supplements the passing game, which is so constricted. Like it's all shallow crossers and the occasional deep shot mixed in. And if Roethlisberger isn't getting close on the deep shots, then I don't know. It's like the same concern with the Saints. Like I don't know what this offense – how it challenges any teams. But what I will say is that they do have like the perfect group of skill players to make this work because they have some guys that are good after the catch. Like they have Juju, they have, uh, I'm forgetting his name now. (laughs) Uh, Deontay Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. He went, he went out. Yeah. He got injured today. So he was only, he, he left in the second quarter. Um, that's certainly hurt their offense. Yeah. I think. And then they have like, they have James Washington. They have Chase Claypool, two guys they can take deep shots to. Right. So, like, that game plan kind of makes sense. If Ben's not going to be testing the intermediate level, like, that's how you should build the, the offense. It's kind of, It reminds me a lot of how the Jaguars built their offense around Blake Bortles in 2017. And then, like, once teams kind of picked up on what they were doing, they didn't have a plan B. I don't know if that's going to be the case with the Steelers. I think they're – better coach team. I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger is a better quarterback than Blake Bortles was, even if he is washed (laughs) and they have better receivers. So I think they could still make it work, but their ceiling is a lot lower than it would have been if Ben, Ben looked like what we saw last time he was healthy. So I'm not, they're three and O, but I'm not putting them in that same tier as the Ravens and chiefs. And Maybe the Patriots, although they they didn't look so great on offense today, but I think they'll they'll get better as the season goes on. Yeah, I'm going to throw something at you, and I have a feeling I know what you're going to do with it, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, the Texans are 0 three. They started 0 three in 2018 and and won their division. Uh, they're also 0 three because they started the season at Kansas City, then hosted the mm-hmm. Ravens, and then had to go to Pittsburgh. Uh, is there any chance for a turnaround from this team? this year like in 2018 uh no because they're already three games <laughs> they're already three games back and the AFC South is a lot better now than it was in 2018 I don't think I don't see this turning around I know they had just the worst start to a season schedule wise but the defense is so bad like it's really bad it's one of the worst defenses I've watched this year like in terms of like how well it's coached they just make so many mistakes like one of Ben's touchdowns today was to Juju, and he was just wide open. Like, the Texans just didn't cover him. <laughs> it's not so, advisable in the NFL. Right. And they have a first-year uh, defensive coordinator, Anthony Weaver. He took over for Romeo Cornell, who I thought was one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. Like, I would put him in the top ten. I don't, I don't, maybe not a top five, but, like, top ten. I, I don't even know what his position with the team is, but they might have to, you know, make a switch and put him back on the sideline and let him call plays again. Cause it's not looking good right now. And then like Deshaun has so much on his shoulders right now. He has to carry this team by himself. He has no help whatsoever. And he's not getting any help from the play calling. I, I, I don't see how they, they rebound. And I think you're going to have to win like 11 games to win this division. What if uh, what if the Texans got put into the NFC East? I mean, they'd only be a game back, game out of first right now. So <laughs> you have to say they they would have a shot for it. sure. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. So Pittsburgh remains undefeated and heads uh, to actually I don't know where the game is next week, but uh, they play the Titans. Uh, I guess it is ten. It is in Nashville. Uh, they play the Titans, who eked out a thirty-one thirty win against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, what did you see in this one? Kirk Cousins was not nearly as horrific as he was last week. Um, the Titans offense, lest you think that it was roaring along, it was not. Steven Gostkowski kicked six field goals. Um, and that's really <laughs> that's uh, where they got a lot of their offensive output, which is probably concerning. Um Derrick Henry did carry 26 times for 119 yards and two touchdowns. It's a lot of carries for a guy that had a lot of carries last year. Uh, so where do you think this leaves the Titans uh, after beating the Vikings? <laughs> My main takeaway was how useless Ryan Tannehill is when he's not using play action. Right. Uh, the splits were amazing today. Uh, this is from PFF Moo. He said he has okay. the EPA stats on play action passes, 0.77 per play on non-play action, negative 0.38. And his yards per attempt were around four on non-play action and 20 on play action. Oh my god! Like gosh. just make the whole plane out of play action. It's, it's, I, I don't know. I like, it's a good thing that they're, continue to call play action, but is that the only thing they really have? What if someone takes that away? Like, what is this offense going to look like? And I think they have one of the, the lowest point differentials of the, the three and O teams. They could very easily, you know, be zero and three right now, one and two, they nearly lost the Broncos. They had a close game against the Jaguars. Not neither of those teams, very impressive. And then they had to eat one out against the, the Vikings today. And the, the, all these teams, how many wins is that combined for those teams? I think it's just one for the Jaguars. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, because the Vikings are 0-3. Um, yeah, I uh, definitely... The Broncos are 0-3 too. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the Titans just do not... Uh, I mean, obviously, they were... Uh, people wanted to think that they were trending up last year after... After beating the Ravens in the playoffs, but you know the questions we had going into the season were about f- replacing Dean Pease and and making a defense that could uh, continue to work at the level he had it working, and then relying on two guys who were just very likely to regress in Tannehill and Henry. You know Henry just because he's got to run the, he ran the ball so much, and running backs just fall off a cliff. Um, and Tannehill, just because he's never shown that sort of year-to-year consistency. Um, what about the Vikings? I mean, this team, uh, they came into the NFC North, this division that nobody could really decide who the favorites were, but they certainly were, uh, you know, I, I can't remember where you picked them, but, I mean, they were not supposed to be 0-3 and feeling like they're being left behind at this point. Yeah, I I was low on the the Vikings all off season, and then they made the Ngakwe trade, and I kind of you know reverse course, and I regret it now. I should have just kept saying they were bad, but it's clear like they took a step back on defense. 
they rebooted their secondary and they have a, a lot of young people playing and it's not working out. Like their secondary is very bad right now. And the run defense is really bad. They, they don't, they just don't have a good defense right now. And Kirk isn't a player. We know he's not a player that's capable of carrying the team. Like right. we should not be surprised that he's not able to do it right now. So uh, I'm ready to give up on the Vikings this year. I'm out. There are also another team that I'm canceling along with the Cardinals. So what is their future? I mean, what do they just continue oh, to kind of go with, with cousins and I mean, Justin they kind of have to like, now they, they, yeah. they extended him and like basically gave him another three year guaranteed deal. So unless they can right. trade him, which I yeah, mean, maybe not- if things really go South this year, you have to think about trading him. Uh, Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver, the draft pick, uh, did break out a little bit. Seven receptions, 175 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, so I guess that's good. Dalvin Cook ran 22 times for 181 yards. But, uh, yeah, not so great. The counter. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears, though. Uh, the... 3-0 and Chicago Bears, uh, benef- benefactors of, at this point, uh, you know, the joke was made in our Slack, and I think Andrew Joseph used it in his story about this, but the, the, the Falcons are essentially just a meme now, I mean, they of just blowing leads. Um, they, they blew a 20-point lead last week to the Cowboys, we just talked about the Cowboys, recovered that onside kick and, and went on to win. Today, they blew a 16-point fourth-quarter lead um, to Nick Foles. Nick Foles came in to replace Mitch Trubisky and lead the Bears to this win. Uh, over the last 20 seasons, this is a tweet from Field Yates. Over the last 20 seasons, no team has blown multiple 15-point fourth-quarter leads in a single season. The Falcons just, just did it in back-to-back weeks. And then a tweet from Doug Farrar, our uh, our touchdown wire brethren per next gen the falcons have blown a fourth quarter 98 percent win probability for the second straight week um i mean at this point i it it i it just feels like it's it's more than just horrendous luck right i mean i don't know <laughs> how you keep going with dan quinn at this point I mean, it just feels like this is What's- broken and probably needs to Needs to we go. need to look up when the earliest a coach has been fired into a season. I think it's I think it's four. Well, there's there's a couple of guys that got fired in preseason like way back in the day, but uh, I think Philbin got fired after four games, right? And Lane Kiffin I think got fired around the same time when he was the Raiders coach. Uh, so we're we're getting there, man. We're getting to the point where it could happen. <laughs> Yeah, and the I think this loss was more embarrassing than last week's loss because at least you lost like a great offense and Dak Prescott. Like Nick Foles wasn't even good. If you watch the game, like he was pretty bad actually. And he How could dare throw, you? He got pretty lucky that he didn't throw more interceptions. He only threw the one, but there was one where like three Falcons were. He just lobbed it up, and three Falcons were in position to intercept it, and they just did it and it like fell into the arms of bears receiver. But the last throw, the game winning throw was a great throw. Like he stood in the pocket. That was like the Nick Foles that we've seen when he's really going well. He stood in the pocket, took a hit and just led his receiver with like a perfectly lofted pass. That was a throwback right. to the NFC championship game against the Vikings. Right. But 
like after the game, uh, Jim, uh, Matt Nagy was like asked about who was his starter going forward. And he was like, Oh, we don't know yet. Like, no, you right. do know. Like Mitch is done. Yet. Mitch is done in Chicago. Yeah. There's no way you go back to him. Even though Foles was pretty bad, I'm sure we'll see Mitch again because that's right. what Nick Foles tends to do. But for now, you have to go with Foles. Like, how do you look at the players in your locker room and go back to Mitch Trubisky? They're, I mean, you're basically asking for a revolt at that point. Yeah, I mean, the numbers show that Foles was much better than Trubisky. Uh, EPA per play, Foles was 0.36. Trubisky was negative 0.07. Uh, Trubisky was negative 5.9 on CPOE, and Foles was a positive 3.5. Matt Ryan was was very bad in this game. He was negative 11 for completion percentage over expectation. So uh, it's not all on Dan Quinn, um, but... You know, again, there the offense is just not super creative, uh, and that's on Dan Quinn for hiring right, for Dirk hiring Dirk Ketter and, and letting him go. Um, the Bears three and zero, I not real, right? I mean, like, no. <laughs> I mean, we're like a couple bounces away from them being zero and three against all winless teams. Or I guess the Lions won today, but. Like DeAndre Swift catches that pass in the end zone, the Lions beat them. Uh, Daniel Jones almost like had the Giants in position to to win the game at the end there, and then uh, he right. no, I don't even know how the the drive ended, but I'm just assuming it was like a Daniel Jones turnover of some of some kind. It's a good assumption. And then <laughs> today they obviously should have lost. So yeah, this is like when you're benching your quarterback at three and zero, like you get to, you know that like this is not a, a for sure thing, like. I don't think it's going to last. And I asked you this. I asked you this question earlier about uh, about the Vikings, but like, where do the Bears go from here? I mean, this feels like almost a worst case scenario because, like, they're. I mean, it looks like they're. I mean, they they they're going to win a bunch of games and not be able to tank for Trevor probably or Justin right. Fields, uh, and if they if they turn from Trubisky now then he's not the quarterback of the future. So who is the quarterback of the future? Nick Foles. <laughs> Jeez. A bunch I of teams mean, have made that mistake, man. Maybe Jameis, maybe Cam. I mean, maybe Dak. Yeah. Maybe Dak's a free agent next year. I don't know. I. <laughs> this is definitely the worst case scenario for them. They're basically out of the Trevor sweepstakes already. And... I don't even think like they might not end up with a top 10 pick. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everyone I know who's an Eagles fan, which is most of the people I know uh, because I'm from Pennsylvania, uh, wants Carson Wentz to be gone from the Eagles. So uh, they don't quite understand the concept of dead cap. And Wentz's, I think, is 60 million. So next year. Yeah. Don't look at that. It's it's like 80 million this year. I think it's. it's just like the whole salary cap this year. Um, so Carson Wentz is probably not going anywhere, but Carson Wentz is awful at football, like ridiculously right. awful. Uh, the Eagles end up tying the Bengals 23-23, um, re- reminiscent of the game where uh, Donovan McNabb uh, admitted afterward that he didn't know there could be ties. Uh, I definitely wish that there wouldn't have been ties. They should have just not played overtime today because it was – Right. Just, 
a cursed football game. There was, there was no loss for that game. Yeah, there was no reason <laughs> to keep going with that football game. Um, but we're just going to run through a couple of these. because The rest of the games were not fantastic and did not teach us a ton. Um, so we'll just kind of do some quick analysis of these ones. But yeah, Carson Wentz is I, he's just utterly broken. And I don't know if it's that he has no protection and has no targets and nobody to target. And he's just trying to make everything happen for himself. Uh, but he is just the worst version of Carson Wentz right now. Yeah. I was saying last week, like it's not like he forgot to throw, like forgot how to throw football, but it, it appears that he has forgotten how to throw football. <laughs> I'm taking that back. I'm walking that take back. <laughs> it's like, you can see him overthinking things like, Right. He's definitely pressing. I, I think when we, we use that, we throw that around a lot and it's like usually right. not the case. But in this case, I, I think it is like he has to be because he, he's the worst quarterback in the league right now. And, and like I've seen stats where he's like the worst quarterback. Like this start to the season has been like the worst start going back to like the 1968 Bills. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just it just looks like he is, uh, you know, like I have small children and small children when they like can't do something they just like keep trying to do it like regardless of the fact that they're like not even close to getting it right like if they like i want to knock down this tree and then they just like punch it a couple times and they keep punching it like they think it might work like and, and that's where carson wentz is like he is just like determined to bull rush his way into making eagles offense good and it's it's not going to happen um, and I think the saddest thing about this game was that at the end, the Eagles were lined up to kick a 59-year-old field goal that would have won the game. And one of the offensive linemen moved early. So it would have been a 64-year-old field goal. And Doug Peterson just punted the ball because he knew. He knew that <laughs> going 0-2-1 in the NFC East, he's still right in the thick of it. Right. And, really and the Eagles, they're right. I mean, the Eagles, that, that tie, instead of risking whatever the risk would have been, I mean, it's highly unlikely that the Bengals were going to march down the field in whatever 15 seconds it was. But that tie was more valuable. He did the math in his head that quickly that the tie was more valuable than, than just going for it and trying I to know, make football fun. I know the Eagles game broke your brain today because you just referred to the field goal as a 59-year-old field goal. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was whatever. <laughs> your brain is broken. Was, uh, I, yeah, the game – that. I mean, the Eagles are done, right? We can we can write them off. Like, there's no this isn't turning around. Or I still have I hope. No, they're they're in the NFC East. I mean, I I I think they're just so bad uh, at this point that they should they need to tank for. Uh, I I don't even. I mean, probably a wide receiver. I I I, I mean, probably a wide receiver. Howie Roseman has been just putrid at drafting wide receivers. Right. Um, but Wait, Jamar, so what Chase, do you do? Like Jam- Jamar Chase is there. So he's if, the, if the Eagles like bottom out this year and, and somehow end up with the number one pick, like somehow they do worse than the Jets. Pick, what, what do you, you do? Pick Trevor, pick Trevor Lawrence. Right. Oh man. I, what, uh, I think you trade back. Cause yeah, you're probably, that's probably the right thing to do is to trade back. But no, I would take Trevor Lawrence and I would get rid of Carson Wentz as soon as possible. It's just, yeah, it's just a question of how you get rid of him. 
Because at this point, like, you know, you, I, I think you could say the same thing about the Browns with Baker. Like, you know, he's never going to be a great quarterback, like a consistently great quarterback. Oh, wow. So you're putting Wentz in the category with Baker? No, Wentz is way better than Baker. Okay. All right. But he's just well, not ever going to be consistent. He's not going to ever be consistently great. And I think you need a consistently great quarterback if you want to be one of these teams that is in Super Bowl contention every year. Right. Uh, speaking of number one picks at quarterback, Joe Burrow, was, he, he was better than Wentz, 31-44, 312 yards, two TDs. He was uh, he has no protection. He was sacked eight times for 56 for the loss of 56 yards. He was just battered all game. Um, I kind of felt bad for him. Um, but he, I mean, I think he's starting to pick up on what he can and cannot do at this level. Um, and, you know, like I said, he was much better than Wentz. His comp- completion percentage over expectation was 12.4, uh, which is quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I... I think he's moving along. I mean, this is this is the Bengals season that the Bengals that certainly anyone who was realistic about the Bengals, this is the season we expected them to have. So uh, yeah. he's just sort of growing as he goes. A um, couple other games: the Bucks beat up on the Broncos. Uh, Not a good game for either Drew Locke that played for the Broncos today. Because <laughs> there was two, they're on their third Drew Locke of the season, and they might be on their fourth by the time we get to Thursday Night Football because Blake Bortles might be starting, and he is an extreme Drew Locke. Like he's, I don't. I mean, can you? It feels to me like that's disrespectful to Blake Bortles because Blake Bortles set the bar for mediocrity long before anyone knew who Drew Locke was. I mean, I think so you're you saying that they're on their fourth Blake Bortles of the season. Correct. You, yeah. you have to put some respect on Blake Bortles' <laughs> name uh, and call any crappy quarterback anywhere Blake Bortles. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, this game, I'm not sure what to make out of it. 28-10 was the final, uh, you know. Brady looked good from what I saw. I only like caught glimpses yeah. of him on red zone, but Brady looked good. And he looked good last week. I, I watched that game midweek and he would, his stats would have looked a lot better if he, if the bucks just didn't forget how to catch a football, but they were catching the football today. And he, he looks good. The offense, the offense is coming together. They are probably the best team in the NFC South. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and Brady, the one thing I noticed uh, in just watching a few clips and and looking through things, he was back to sort of like Brady spraying the ball over the field, just sort of like in rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, it took certainly more deep shots than he typically would have, I think, with the Patriots was not particularly great. Uh, he did hit one that was like 45 yards, I think, in the air, but mostly just sort of spreading the ball around. And I think – that there is some merger of Brady, what Brady wants to do and what Bruce Arian wants to do. I think that they're finding some equilibrium, uh, but you know, against a Broncos team that was just overmatched Um, the Colts beat the jets badly, man. Sam Darnold is just, uh, just (laughs) sad. He's bad. Like I know yeah. everything else around him is awful and terrible. And like even Makai Becton, who had really been good, got right. hurt today. Got hurt. 
Yeah. But he's, he makes it worse. Like he's making that team worse. He's not good. Like they were moving the ball and he was throwing picks. I, I don't think you could just blame it all on Adam Gase. And it's not like Adam Gase is the worst offensive coach in the history of, of the NFL. Like he's gotten decent seasons <laughs> out of Jay Cutler and Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Adam Gase was the hot coaching name five years ago or whatever it was. I mean, he was the dude everybody wanted to hire. Uh, so He's a bad coach, but I don't think he's so bad that he's making a, a quarterback that would have been great if not for Adam Gase. I don't think he's making him look as bad as Sam Darnold looks right now. Because it's not like Darnold hasn't had turnover problems before. Like, this is the Darnold we saw at USC. Right. Um, yeah, 36-7 was the final there. Uh, <laughs> such a Philip Rivers game. The Colts win, thir- by, they score 36 points. Philip Rivers, 17 for 21. <laughs> God, I love you, Philip. I don't think I've seen Philip River- Rivers throw an incomplete pass this year. Yeah, she's throwing interceptions, but I don't think I've seen a ball hit the turf yet. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Phil Rivers for you. Um, the Browns, you were speaking ill of Baker Mayfield earlier. I can't believe you. Um, he's got his swagger back, you know. Uh, the Browns beat the football team 34-20. to 20. Uh, I think you actually were more intrigued by what you saw out of Dwayne Haskins, who – the narratives you will see was part of the reason that, that the football team struggled. He did throw three interceptions, but I think you saw something a little different. Uh, I mean, not too different, but I think he's like, he's like <laughs> slightly different. I love how you like, just hang me sometimes. You're like, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't see that. <laughs> it's like, he's so close to being a good quarterback, but he's just like off every play like he's off by a yard or he throws it a second too late i just i can't really articulate it but like it's clear like he knows what he's supposed to be doing and i don't know if it's ever gonna like the switch is ever gonna get flipped with him it's not a given that it ever will like we we saw it with josh allen this year seems like the flip has switched and i don't <laughs> even know i'm switched. like yeah i'm like losing yeah. my mind right now we got to stop podcasting at midnight. This is it's too right, hard. Right. It's too late. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think the same could have been said with like uh, Deshaun Kaiser. I thought he kind of like showed that he knew what he was doing. He just couldn't do it consistently. And my fear is that's going to happen with Haskins. Like he's never going to get it and he's never, but I think it's in him. I think he's got a good quarterback in him somewhere and it's up to Washington's coaching staff to get it out of him. And I'm not convinced that they have the right coaching staff to do that. Yeah. So it's just a question now of whether he's learning or whether he has this deficiency that will never actually get fixed. Um, And I don't, I think one thing I will say is Washington should not bench him. Like you have to play this whole season. For sure. Um, The uh, Browns continue to, I mean, I think, we this this was the story early in the season. They thought uh, Stefanski maybe thought Mayfield could do more than he could. He dialed it back, kind of kept it simple for him, and that's certainly where they were in this game. He threw the ball twenty three times, uh, sixteen completions for one hundred fifty six yards. Uh, you know, not not taking a ton of shots on the field. They they handed the ball off to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt like thirty five times, I think, um, for one hundred fifty ish yards. 
you know, they have two great running backs. I think they're they obviously have two great wide receivers too. So they should be the offense should be much more exciting. But they kind of kept it simple in this one. Um, so I don't. I mean, you're not you're not in on the Browns, right? I mean, you're pretty much seeing them as, as not really being near the top of that division considering the Ravens and Steelers. No, I don't think when I think when they play a better defense, we're going to see the flaws in the offense exposed a little bit. They've been able to run this this run first offense where they could do play action off of that against the against Washington and against the Bengals, but I don't think it's going to work when you're playing like the Ravens or the Steelers even. And Baker Mayfield's going to have to play quarterback and when he plays quarterback, he you know, he hasn't been able to, you know, do that well since 2018. So I want to see what this offense looks like when that that's the case, when Baker Mayfield right. can't just like, they can't, can't just call play action all game long. Right. Uh, the New England Patriots moved to two and one by beating the Raiders. It's actually the Raiders first loss of the season. Uh, 36, 20 certainly felt like the Patriots were in control of this one. But mm-hmm. like you said, the offense was not probably did not see what you'd hope to see out of the offense just because Cam Newton, he was 17 for 28 and really uh, was not moving the ball through the air. The Patriots, Sony Michelle, who's been, who was bad the first couple games, uh, carried nine times for 117 yards, uh, including 48 yards scurry and then rex burkhead was really carried the offense six times that's just a weird thing to say but six ran six times for 49 and then caught seven passes which was twice as many as any other player on the team seven passes for 49 yards um so a lot of shorter stuff i mean they were just sort of dinking and dunking uh you know Nikhil harry continues to be Nikhil harry two catches um for 34 yards, Demir Bird not really breaking out. Julian Edelman, you know, it just still seems like a week after Cam made this offense go by passing the ball, he wasn't challenged to do that. And uh, Josh McDaniels was he was fine, just sort of taking what Las Vegas was giving him um, and not really challenging. So we, I don't think we saw much evolution, is what you were alluding to earlier. Yeah, I haven't watched the game yet, but. The numbers don't look great, and but it is a good sign that they're able to win this game easily and comfortably without Cam Newton right. carrying the team. Like he played poorly, and they still won, which is something that he's probably not used to coming from Carolina. Like if he didn't play well, <laughs> the Panthers invariably lost. Yeah, <laughs> and so this this got to be refreshing for him. But it's I think it's a good sign for the Patriots. We're going to find out a lot about the Patriots next week because I think they play the Chiefs. Yeah, man, the Chiefs, uh, Chiefs and Ravens, obviously tonight. But, uh, but yeah, there's it'll be interesting. Uh, speaking of the Panthers, man, they let you down. They won a football game, unacceptable. And, uh, unacceptable. and honestly, they they should not have won the football game because we have a post. <laughs> we have a post about this on our site, fdw.usatoday.com. Uh, the Chargers ran a hook and ladder play at the. And and it should have worked. I mean, it was one of the most flawless executions of this play I've ever seen. Uh, Andrew Joseph, there's a screenshot here. um, And the ball, I I mean, Austin Eckler would have caught this ball and run in to the end zone. I mean, he would still be running. Uh, I saw the next gen stats. Next gen stats said that. 
they he he had a seventy percent chance of scoring. Yeah, I mean, it based on their yards after catch metric. So right, uh, that play might have cost Carolina Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> imagine if that's how it comes. If, imagine if that's how it turns out. If like we have to remember that, well, you know, when when the season ends and we do our first mock draft, we oh, have to mention that I'm it's all Austin about it. All Austin Eckler's fault. Uh. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's anything else we need to say about that game, really. I mean, Justin I, Herbert looked. I need to pat myself bad. on the back because I called this on the the last podcast that the Panthers' defense was actually, you know, good, going to be good against this Chargers offense because it is like yeah, a college type offense and the Big Twelve offense. Um, you were right. You were right. But uh, yeah, Justin Herbert, the uh, in his second start, uh, looked okay. Thirty five. Completions on 49 attempts, 330 yards. Um, so, I mean, throwing to Keenan Allen helps. But, um, yeah, the, the poor <laughs> Panthers, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it went that way. Great uniform game, though. That was an elite it was a great uniform game. matchup. <laughs> you were fired up about the uniform game. <laughs> um, that's all we got uh, for this for the Sunday games. Obviously, Steven will look at the film and we will give you some more in-depth thoughts and coverage and really try to figure out what happened and what we learned. Uh, you know, these are our first, our first blush just in the craziness of the post Sunday, you know, we're recording this late at night, trying to figure out what happened. So we'll have more on everything. Uh, we previewed the Ravens uh, chiefs game a little bit in our last episode. Uh, and, you know, obviously this is, the most anticipated game in, of the season so far, I think. I mean, in, in quite some time. I mean, I live north of Baltimore. I think if this were a game that people could go to, it would be the most anticipated game and probably home game at MT Stadium in probably two decades. Um, it's, you know, there's that much hype about it. So I know that we are both excited for it. Do you have any additional thoughts that you didn't get to share last week when we talked about it? Uh, no, I'm, I, I think this is the game where Lamar shows the world that he's like, cause he still has questions about him, whether he can throw when they, when he has to throw, I think this is a game where he's going to have to throw mm-hmm. and I think he's going to be up to the task. I don't know. We'll see. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, he's had to throw all season, you know, that's yeah, like that's the thing true. people have, I mean, they, Ravens running game has not really worked uh, the way that it did last year. Like you were saying, you know, the Greg Romans sort of, Oh, he built a great running game and Lamar has worked because of it. Like it has not gone that way this year at all. Um, so I don't think yeah, people have the, watched the Ravens though. This year. Right, they right, they been just, on national TV, television right. yet. And like, I feel like the chargers chiefs game kind of stole the attention from Lamar Deshaun last, last week. Right. Yep, totally. Um, so tomorrow, so uh, this episode will release Monday morning, and Stephen will also have his weekly feature. We call it the Take Dump. Take we just, dump. Uh, we just we just drop a bunch of takes on you, <laughs> uh, and you've actually uh, a lot of these takes we fired off. We fired off the the first take, if you will. I think that that's probably I'm probably not even allowed to say that phrase. Um, probably going to get sued by ESPN the next 10 minutes. Uh, but this was the first version of these takes that we just gave you, but Steven will 
scribe up some thoughts, some deeper thoughts uh, on Dwayne Haskins. We'll take a little bit of a look at the film and the numbers. And then he is going to drop the Aaron Donald take that I, uh, I, I previewed this earlier, but he is going to argue, I think, that Aaron Donald might be the best football player ever. Uh, which is I I am looking forward to that. I have a reason to get up in the morning to, to edit that particular take. Uh, he's also going to take a deeper look at Roethlisberger's struggles, and then another spicy one. This is so spicy. Uh, he is going to suggest that the Saints should contemplate starting Jameis Winston. Um, so I think that will be a very good post. Hope you will read it and, you know, you can find it also. I'm sure you'll tweet it out, right, Stephen? You know, you'll send it out to the to the masses. Oh, yeah. The take dump is definitely getting tweeted. Take dump. <laughs> the, Twitter loved the take dump last year. It was or last week. It was a, uh, a big the reviews hit. Reviews are in. People even, love take dumps. Even Jamie Mottram, the blog father himself, gave kudos, which... I mean, there is no higher praise. Um, maybe you can get a shirt made. Maybe Breaking oh. Tea will make a Stephen Ruiz take dump shirt. Uh, <laughs> prob- probably not a great seller, but I would buy one. Uh, so that post will be up. Hope you'll find it. Uh, Stephen is at the Stephen Ruiz. I'm at Chris Corman. I'll probably retweet it or make some snarky joke about it. Uh, but yeah, we have, uh, you know, we'll have that and we'll continue to look at stuff through the week. Um it's, I'm, I'm guessing there will be some posts coming out of that Chiefs Ravens game. I mean, that is really, as as you were saying earlier, the NFC does not look to be quite as good on balance. You know, the top teams do not appear to be uh, playing at the same level as the AFC teams, and it certainly looks like the two the AFC AFC's two best teams are playing tomorrow night. So it feels like we're going to learn a lot. Yeah. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to live up to the hype. I think we're going to get like the Rams-Chiefs Monday night football game part two. Love it. Love it. Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, Well, find us on For the Win or Twitter. Uh, The counter will be back Friday, but we'll have coverage all week. Steven, closing thoughts? Anything you want to say to the people? This is a message to the Panthers. Never do that again. Unacceptable <laughs> performance. Will not stand. All right. Look, if they throw a hook and ladder again, and the guy drops it, like dive under it and volleyball tap it up to right. Austin Eckler, so he can keep going, and it can be a touchdown, and everything could be right. Uh, I, I mean, it really, it is a huge. I mean, it's like potentially a franchise altering yes. moment. <laughs> I mean, it really is like the next 15 years of Panthers football could have been ruined in that nothing play today. Uh, that's, that's how sports works. Um, so it's wild. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. The counter an NFL podcast from USA today sports featuring for the wind, Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman. 